You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 140, How to Raise Culturally Curious Children. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. It's always been important to me to raise children who have a broad worldview. I want my children to love themselves, their little community in rural Idaho, their country, their religion, and our unique family traditions. But I also want them to know that not everyone in this world lives like us or believes like us. And that is okay. In fact, it's more than okay. It's beautiful and amazing. And it adds to the breadth of what we as humans get to experience on this incredible planet that we call home. It's my deepest hope that my children will value, love, and respect people of all cultures, traditions, religions, and nationalities, and I know that it's my job as their mother to start to instill that in them. But how? Does this mean I need to take them on trips around the world? Of course, I'd love to do that, and I hope to someday, but for me and most moms I know, that's just not always possible due to finances, employment, health needs, and time limitations. And in the era of coronavirus, worldwide travel isn't even allowed or possible right now. Fortunately, I have learned from today's podcast guest, Preethi B. Harbuck, that raising culturally curious children can be done from home, starting when they are really young. Preethi is a mom of five little children and the creator of many incredible educational resources for families, which she shares on her blog, Local Passport Family. She and her husband, Dan, have prioritized world travel with their children when possible, and she shares many tips for traveling with kids and kid-friendly destination itineraries on her website, but her work also has a deep focus on teaching our children about diversity and inclusion from our homes in everyday situations, even in the midst of a global pandemic. Today, she'll be teaching us how to use books, everyday conversations, virtual field trips, and real field trips to provide our children with windows and mirrors as they are growing up. And she will explain exactly what that metaphor of windows and mirrors means within the episode and so much more. Before we jump into that conversation, I was delighted to get this feedback about this month's sponsor, BetterHelp, which is the world's largest provider of online therapy. This mother from Idaho wrote me and said, Hi, Rachel. I wanted to tell you that my husband and I both signed up for BetterHelp after we heard about it on your podcast back in April, and it has really helped us both a lot. We love the text message option, and we talk to our counselors throughout the week. It's so convenient. The live sessions are really nice also. What an amazing company, and we never would have found it without 3 and 30. Thank you so much. Emails like that mean the world to me because I'm passionate about parents getting the mental health support that they need, and it's an honor to partner with a company that's making counseling more accessible, affordable, and convenient for anyone who struggles with life's challenges. If this sounds like something that might benefit your life, please don't overthink it for another minute. Just go to betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30 today. Go right now if you need to so you won't forget. And start by filling out their questionnaire so that they can match you with a counselor who meets your needs within 24 hours. As a 3 and 30 listener, you'll also get 10% off your first month. So don't wait to join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health via BetterHelp. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30. Let's get into my conversation with Preeti B. Harbuck about raising culturally curious children. Here we go. Preeti, welcome to 3 and 30. Thanks so much for having me, Rachel. It's so great to be with you. Well, I am so excited about this topic. And as I mentioned in that intro, I love your metaphor that you talk about, about giving our kids windows and mirrors. And I was wondering if you could just start by explaining what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So there is actually someone named Dr. Rudine Sims Bishop who coined that phrase, the windows and the mirrors. And I think it is so powerful to think about how all of us, not just kids, all of us need experiences that we can relate to, where we can see our own human experience reflected so that we don't feel alone, so that we feel like we are connected to the world. But we also need experiences where we have those windows into someone else's experience and someone else's life, where we can recognize that our experience is unique, but it's not the only experience out there. There are so many different perspectives. Yes, I feel like it's so important. And I love how you use books and so many educational resources to give kids windows and mirrors. And we're going to dive into that today. And I do feel like this is particularly timely right now within our country with everything that's going on with the racial justice movement and wanting to raise anti-racist children. How does giving children a worldview and helping them to be culturally curious also help them to become anti-racist? I love that question, Rachel, because while inclusion education isn't the same as anti-racist work, I believe so passionately that diversity education and anti-bias teaching is a really important and necessary foundational tool for that anti-racist work. Those windows and mirrors help us to recognize that other people have different challenges and they have different experiences from us. And by recognizing those and learning about them, we're then able to act in a way that provides equity for all of those experiences and perspectives. Yeah. And I do love how often the windows become mirrors in a way where mm-hmm. we we see other people's experiences and we see that they are different from ours, but we also start to see ourselves when we we may yes. think I have nothing in common with this person or this experience but the more we learn the more we do see our common humanity and I think that that goes to the heart of cultural curiosity as well as anti-racism I love that so much and I feel like that's something we've seen a lot in our travels as well we find that there are always more similarities and differences and the differences that are out there are really more uniquenesses than things to fear. They're Mm. things that we can appreciate and learn from and perhaps incorporate into our own life view. Yes. And I do feel like it's so important. We've had Dr. Lucretia Berry on the podcast several times talking about how we do need to point out to our kids the differences and that it's easy to sugarcoat and say, we're all the same, but it's important to show, no, we're not all the same. And we all have different experiences, but at our core, our humanity is the same. And so it's this, it's this balance between the windows and mirrors that I love that you're going to bring into this conversation today. Absolutely. And I feel like Dr. Barry has such a wonderful perspective on that and recognizing that we should appreciate those differences and not noticing them is not providing that equity that we are seeking. Yes. Pretending that we don't notice them, not acknowledging Mm -hmm. them doesn't lead to equity. Yeah. 
Well, I am so excited to dive right into these takeaways of how to give our kids windows and mirrors, particularly at home, starting right now, this summer and on into the school year. Many moms may be finding themselves doing homeschooling this year or distance learning, and this is really an opportunity for them to build more of this into their daily life and education with their kids. So why don't you start with our first takeaway? Yeah, absolutely. So our first takeaway is to prepare to learn. I feel like for all of us, it can be a little bit overwhelming just diving into something that you're not familiar with. For Mm. instance, whenever we first started traveling with our kids, it was a new experience, both for us as the parents, as well as for our children. There were definitely things that we had to overcome, learning about getting over jet lag, learning about sleeping in new places, learning about navigating new foods. But the more you practice it, And the more you prepare for it, the better and more smoothly those experiences went. And I think Mm -hmm. the same is true for being culturally curious. When we provide smaller opportunities for our children to practice learning about other cultures and other experiences, they get better at it. It's just like anything else where practice allows us those chances to improve and to dig more deeply into it as well. Mm. And to maybe be exposed to something really different than if you're exposed the first time at home with your parents, you can ask all the questions that you may not, you may not want your child asking if they're thrown into a cultural experience that they have no context for. Absolutely. It's a learning experience for all of us. And we'll each stumble a little bit as we're first starting. So like you said, it's great to be able to have those first experiences in the home where you can be vulnerable, you can be open and you can make mistakes. Mm. And so how do we do that? How do we prepare our kids to learn about other cultures? One of my very favorite ways is, of course, books. I feel like books are so wonderful for providing those windows and those mirrors. And they're things that we can gravitate to over and over. It's not a one-time message that we're trying to send. These are continual conversations that we're going to have repeatedly in our homes. And by having those diverse perspectives in books, it allows us to come back to them over and over as well. Hmm. By having those different books in our homes and in our lives, it allows us to prepare to have that further learning as well. Hmm. I know you have created so many incredible resources on your blog do you have any resources that you would recommend for moms who hear this and they, they're like, I want to read diverse books, but where do I even start with that? Yes, absolutely. There are first so many amazing, inclusive book bloggers and Instagrammers out there. But one, one resource that is near and dear to my heart is the Global Children's Book Club, which we just officially completed last week, but all of the resources are up on my blog indefinitely. So there are definitely materials that families can access for a long time to come. So what the Global Children's Book Club is, is 26 picture books about 26 different countries. And my favorite part about it is that most of those are written by own voice authors. And many of them also had those authors do virtual read-alouds for us. So all of those videos of the authors either talking about their books or reading the book aloud are on my blog as well. Amazing. And it was just such a wonderful experience for me to not just be able to experience these books, but to be able to hear them from the authors themselves, because they have a passion and a knowledge for these places that none of most of us don't have in our day-to-day lives. And by hearing their connection to it, it helps us feel more connected as well. Mm. So those 26 countries each have at least one book connected with them. And there are plenty of other suggestions for each of the countries as well. 
I just can't even imagine the amount of work that went in to preparing <laughs> that resource for families uh, and and getting the video because you include it's like a virtual field trip for children to visit that country, read the book, learn a little bit about that country. It's an incredible resource. And I do feel like for moms, if if 26 seems overwhelming at first, and I'm totally putting you on the spot here, but can you think of just one that you could give a mom who's just getting started, maybe who has younger children, one book or one country and kind of the activity that you did along with it to kind of get them started thinking? Absolutely. Um, if I were to pick one, I would say maybe Ethiopia because here, let me tell you why. Because while Australia was really fun. Fairy bread is a thing in Australia. If you're not familiar with fairy bread, it's basically plain white bread with butter and sprinkles. So that one was a big hit. <laughs> However, Ethiopia is unique in that most people are not super familiar with where Ethiopia is, with Ethiopian culture, with Ethiopian food. So I feel like that one is a really great way to get into something that's a little bit more unfamiliar for most families, especially who are living in the U.S., one of my favorite activities was actually with Ethiopia. We made something called dabukalo. It's kind of a slightly spicy, crunchy snack, super easy to make and really kid-friendly. My kids loved rolling out the dough for it, and then we cut it into little pieces. So super fun to make. And then the book that goes along with it is called Trouble. And the author did an amazing read aloud of the book and also gave some background on her time growing up in Ethiopia. So just a really fun read aloud and really fun country to learn about. So that's a great one to start with if you're looking for an intro one. Yeah. And I love giving people a place to start because I do feel like we get so many resources sometimes as mothers that we just give it up. It can be We just give up. We're like, I can't do it all. So start with Ethiopia, sign up for the whole book club. <laughs> and another thing that I've loved that I've heard you talk about is that sometimes our kids get fixated on a certain book or series and that's fine. You mentioned that your son loves Harry Potter and so does mine. I mean, oh boy, he has literally, <laughs> Noah has literally listened to the first five Harry Potter books. We haven't moved on to six and seven yet because they're a little dark for a nine-year-old, but I think he's mm -hmm. listened to them like 20 times each. That's, that may be an exaggeration, but I don't feel like <laughs> yeah. it. He would listen to Harry Potter all day long, every day if he could. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and and that's fine, but it's also important to diversify what he's listening to. Can you explain why? And also maybe do you have a suggestion for like, uh, for a middle level reader, like a Harry Potter age kid? Because I often think like, I need to get him some different audiobooks, but I'm overwhelmed with even knowing where to start with looking for that. Yes, absolutely. So again, going back to those windows and mirrors, I feel like Harry Potter is so great because so many kids feel like they can connect to it. It feels relatable. Every kid wants to be a witch or wizard. I mean, how amazing would that be? Frankly, I wish I had magic powers most days. Oh, I want to go to Hogwarts for sure. <laughs> exactly. So it's such a relatable, wonderful thing for kids. But we also want to provide them with those opportunities to see those windows and mix in with some mirrors as well. So... One way I love starting out with kids is with some of those picture books, even for some of those older readers, older elementary school, even middle schoolers can really identify with those picture books. Mm. And then it doesn't feel like, oh, I have to read this whole 300 page book before I can get back to Harry Potter. It's just one short little bit. And it's always amazing to me how much even my nine-year-old connects with picture books when we're all reading them aloud together as a family. Mm. Because A, you get that 
whole family connection. Everyone is involved. Everyone's doing it together. And then you also have the pictures that go along with the writing or with the read aloud. Kids tend to be really good at using their senses to take in information. I feel like as adults, we sometimes lose some of that a little bit, but kids tend to be still really good at noticing artwork and noticing details in pictures. And so when we can couple the illustrations with the words, it's really effective. And so I love still using picture books, even for slightly older readers. I think that's a wonderful way to do it. Or even doing um, a read aloud of a book that might be an early chapter book or even a longer chapter book that delves into some of these different perspectives, I think can be really wonderful. For the book club, we actually have three chapter books as well, one each for June, July, and August. And the June book was a book called Juana and Lucas, which I would say is primarily aimed at, I don't know, preschool to first grade sort of reading level. Mm -hmm. But every single one of my kids from my two-year-old up until my nine-year-old, they were all so into this book because it's funny and it's charming and it had some Spanish mixed in and it provides these new perspectives. So I think as much as we can do things together as a read aloud, it can be really helpful in helping kids get into it a little bit more. Same with just reading mm -hmm. maybe even one chapter to them to help them get into it before they feel like they're ready to take off on their own. Yeah. And even as you're talking, I was thinking about podcasts can also do this. We often listen to the Circle Round podcast, which tells like folk tales mm -hmm. from around the world. Yes, which I love. Yeah. And it's shorter. Like you said, it's not this daunting, like you have to listen to a 10 hour book. You know, it's, yeah. it's a 30 minute folk tale from around the world. In fact, speaking of sort of shorter listening times, there's one of the picture books that's in the book club called The Name Jar, and there is a read aloud of it. It's the South Korea book. And this one sparked so many amazing discussions because it's about a girl who comes from Korea and her name's a little more difficult for most of her new American friends to pronounce. So at first she thinks that she's going to change her name, but then the class sort of comes together to encourage her in keeping her own unique name. And so things mm -hmm. like that, where we can, we've all felt a little uncomfortable with some aspect of ourselves or our lives, either our name or our hair or the food that we bring. And so that's something that is also relatable, but also provides a window and is short enough that it's accessible for any family. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you mentioned that specifically. And then what is your second takeaway for raising culturally curious kids? So my second takeaway is to ask and also answer questions. So I feel like with little kids, we just tend to be bombarded with questions all the time. And it's easy to sometimes, you know, ignore those or say, hmm, yeah, I'm just not sure. But I find that as much as we are able to actually dig into some of those questions and figure out where they're coming from. When we show our children that we're willing to do the research and find out even when we don't know, that gives them permission to go look for answers also. And mm. to go along with that, when we're willing to share of ourselves, so often life sort of centers around kids in our homes. It's their school day that dictates the hours of the day. It's their activities. It's their books that we're reading. But I find that if we can share some of our own lives and some of our own experiences with our children, that helps them recognize right within our own homes that there are other people that matter. There are other people's experiences and perspectives that are unique and that are important. We don't have to completely put ourselves mm. aside as parents. We can encourage our children to recognize that we have something to contribute also, that we have thoughts and feelings and emotions and hobbies even that are important to the family life as well. 
Yeah, I love this takeaway. I I feel like a big kind of a term or a buzzword that you hear within anti-racism work is to not center yourself, to, yeah. to center other voices. And I love teaching kids that, that they are not the center of the universe and that they can ask <laughs> questions about other people. And the way that they learn that is by asking them questions, but also telling them about our experiences and expecting them to listen about our experiences. Yeah. Developing those skills of listening to someone else and digging deeper, asking some more questions. I feel like that's such a useful skill just in life in general. Yes. Sometimes we feel like what we did wasn't all that exciting to tell them about. I mean, how often do we ask our kids, like, how was your day? And they say, oh, it was fine. And we're annoyed as moms. We're like, give us more, you know? But like, we would do the same thing if they asked, how was our day? We'd kind of maybe gloss over it. Yes. So often my husband will say, oh, how was your day? And I'm like, oh, it was fine. Yes. So what kinds of things do you tell your kids about your day? Yeah, I think that's a great opportunity to model giving some more of that detail as well. Mm -hmm. Some things I might share are, oh, I called your grandmother on the phone and this is what we talked about. Or the baby rolled over and this is a new milestone for her and this is why that's exciting. Even some of those minor mundane things that we might not find so exciting can be unique and interesting to a kid also. Or I might mm -hmm. tell them about a book that I'm reading. I always love hearing their thoughts about books that they're into. So I feel like if we can model sharing that as well, that also provides them with an opportunity to reciprocate. Mm. And I do feel like sometimes I struggle to know what to even talk to my kids about. Like we're in the car and I want to have a good conversation with them, but they're not giving me much, you know, and, and I have never yeah. thought about using my daily life as a springboard for that. So like, for example, yesterday I picked them up from their camp and asked how their day was. Of course, they spent the day at this amazing outdoor camp building boats. But when I asked them, they're like, it was fine. I'm like, what did you do? Oh, nothing. Come on. <laughs> so then I started telling them about my day. And I said, well, today I went to get a mammogram. My mom had breast cancer. So I have to get mammograms when I'm really young. But talk about outside of the realm of children's experience, you know, so that mm -hmm. opened a conversation and introduced them to a topic that they would yeah. otherwise have no context for. So we talked about what is a mammogram. We talked about breast cancer. We talked about imaging and how it's important. And Absolutely. it just led to this really interesting conversation because I was willing to tell them about this kind of boring, mundane thing that I had done that day. I love that, that you were willing to open up and be a little bit vulnerable. And because of that, it was a springboard for a whole lesson on curiosity, a whole experience of curiosity where everybody is learning and conversing. Yeah. And I love that my kids now have a little bit of context for breast cancer, which mm -hmm. is an important real world topic that I can introduce to them slowly from conversations with me that they're eventually going to hear a lot more about in the world. Absolutely. And then what is your third takeaway? Yes. My third takeaway is to explore everywhere. I feel like for me, sometimes I feel like, okay, if we're not in Italy, I guess I can't do anything fun, which is just not true. There's so much around each of us, even during COVID times. There's so much to explore, even just outside in our backyards, in our front yards, and on a walk through the neighborhood or at a local park. In fact, just the other day, we are staying with my parents in Washington, D.C. right now, and both of my parents are really high risk for COVID, so we can't really go anywhere or do anything. So we're just sticking close to home and spending time together, which has been great. 
but they have a little walking trail that is near their house. So we walked down there a few times and there's a tiny little, I wouldn't even call it a pond. It's mostly sewage runoff if I'm being perfectly frank, but there are all these little frogs that live near this little tiny pond. And my kids love finding all the frogs and counting them and seeing what colors they are and seeing if they've moved around and imagining what they might eat or where they might live in there. Mm -hmm. So even very basic mundane sort of opportunities provide opportunities for curiosity, opportunities for questions and answers and learning about our world. Hmm, that's beautiful. And I know that many women in my, I teach a declutter your motherhood workshop where I really ask women to kind of tap into their deepest dreams and desires. And many women will voice that one of their deepest dreams is traveling the world with their children. That seems like a common thing that comes up. But so often I feel like they are waiting for that dream to happen, you know, 10 years down the road or 20 or whenever the money or the timing is right. And so I try to encourage them that they can start doing that now, even if it's not the world that they can start Absolutely. if they want. And especially if they want to have the ability, like it, they kind of need to practice doing that by going on field trips closer to home and things like that. And has that been your experience? I mean, I know you have traveled. How many countries have you taken your kids to? Um, Let's see. I have been to... 62 countries, I want to say. My kids, I think 43, my oldest has been to. Which is insane <laughs> and so amazing. But you've had to practice that to get to that point where you can do that, right? Yes, absolutely. I feel like travel isn't usually something we think of as requiring practice. We think of cooking as requiring practice or playing an instrument as requiring practice. But travel is a skill just like any of those things. Especially and family travel. Yes, especially family <laughs> travel. Kids are amazingly adaptable, but not when they're just thrown into a new situation. We all take time to adjust when we are put into new situations. And so when kids have the opportunity to practice in a more familiar setting or somewhere closer to home, that is so valuable for preparing them to then go far off and mm. explore further as well. Yeah. And I know I can sometimes think it's too hard to even go on that day trip. It's too much work with young kids and packing up the car and everything. But if I'm not willing to do that hard day trip, then how are we ever going to be prepared and good at doing bigger trips down the road? Not to mention, even if we never do bigger trips down the road, there's so much to learn about our world from just those kind of inconvenient day trips. So it's worth pushing through the inconvenience for the experience for and for sure. teaching our children. And I really find that the more we explore close to home, the more we tend to love where we are, the more we tend to love our world. Mm -hmm. And even more than encouraging us to explore further off and being excited to travel further, exploring close to home, I find makes us want to explore more close to home. It's one mm -hmm. of those things that it's like exploring begets exploring, kind of like sleep begets sleep with young children. Mm -hmm. I feel like exploring is the same. The more we do it, the more we get the thrill from it. We see the value in it and the benefit to our children and developing their minds and their compassion and seeing other people when we're out and about as well. Yeah. And I do think we're modeling for our kids what curiosity looks like, what adventuring looks like, how it's worth it to go through the inconvenience to adventure. One thing that you said in your outline here that I love is that we have to choose to be interested in, you know, like yeah. the frogs at the 
little pond, you could be like, uh, whatever, it's just a frog. But when you choose to be interested and model that for your children, then they will grow up to be more curious humans because they've seen their mom do it. Absolutely. A quote that I've loved for years and years is nothing is interesting if you're not interested. We can all choose to come from a place of interest and excitement and we can choose to not be the B word, as we call it in our house, bored. We have that choice within ourselves to either model and act upon our curiosity or to Mm. not. I love that. And I just love that this curiosity can start with the small and simple things at home and it will translate to having bigger curiosity about the world, but it it just starts right at home with our children. And we can do that right now, even in COVID, no matter how young our kids are, we can start creating culturally curious children. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add to any of these takeaways? And can you tell us where we can find more of your work? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing for me is that the world is so open to us, even during COVID times. There's so many resources out there. As you mentioned, we have these virtual travel guides that I have on my blog, and they allow us to explore through music, through dance, through literature, through cooking. There are all kinds of recipes, and all of those are things that we can do right from our homes. Sometimes we can feel paralyzed by not having the opportunities we thought we would have or that we planned on for the year. But I found that there's so many other opportunities out there for us. And the world is so open right now with information and with knowledge that we can capitalize on. Mm. So all of that work is on my blog at Local Passport Family. And I hope it's helpful to families. I know it will be because I know a lot of moms are going to be hungry for these resources. So thank you for everything that you do and for these great takeaways. Thanks so much for having me, Rachel. Many thanks to Preeti for such an amazing conversation about the ways that we can start small when teaching our children to be inclusive and culturally curious. I want to emphasize that you can absolutely modify any one of these takeaways to fit your current stage of motherhood and your current state of mental and emotional wellness and energy. If you are feeling worn down and like you can barely get through the day with your kids, let alone teach them about the world, first of all, I feel you and you're not alone. And second, Let's start really small and do it together. Here are some actions that we can take this week based on Preeti's three takeaways. Her first takeaway was prepare your kids for broader cultural learning by slowly introducing them to diverse perspectives. And a simple and safe way to do that is through children's books. If you want a tiny action step to take this week, go to Preeti's website guide on Ethiopia, and I'll link that in the show notes, and watch author Jane Kurtz read her book called Trouble. You can obviously dive into the additional learning activities that Preeti suggests to learn more about Ethiopia, but you don't have to if you don't have the emotional capacity right now. Simply watch the author read the book with your kids and then talk to them about it. Takeaway number two, teach your kids to be curious by answering their questions, asking your own questions, and sharing about your day, whether they ask you about it or not. This introduces them to the concept of decentering their experience and considering the perspective of other people. Your tiny action step for this takeaway, today at dinner, tell your family one thing that you did today that might spark a deeper conversation, even if that's just that you changed a blowout diaper. <laughs> okay, maybe you don't want to talk about that over dinner, but you get the idea. Tell them about your work. Let them into the details of your life. And the final and third takeaway, explore everywhere. 
Remember that even a little walk close to home can be considered an adventure and an opportunity for curiosity if we choose to be interested. This is also great practice for bigger adventures you may hope to take with your kids someday. Your tiny action step for this takeaway is to do something with your kids that feels mildly inconvenient, but that you know will give them a new experience, whether that's going on a day trip somewhere nearby or just getting up the gumption to go out for a walk in the humidity. Remember this when you're faced with that nag of inconvenience and you're wondering, should I really do this? Remember this challenge and do it. My friends, we are doing this. Week by week, we're taking small and simple steps towards raising good humans, and that deserves to be celebrated. Even though you are not perfect, and I know you're not because no one is, and I'm not, you are a good mom, and I hope that you can feel that and believe that. I'm sending all my love and well wishes to you. Take care of yourself, and I hope you have a fabulous month with your family.